All right, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. How are we doing this morning, church? Everybody okay? All right, happy fall break to you. I know a lot of folks are out of town, but glad to be here. Glad you're here. I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. We are um, still in our series in Ephesians titled With Love Incorruptible. And uh, we are at least going to be here for a couple of more weeks because there's still a lot of good stuff left to talk about. So Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, and this is, these are the words that Paul wrote. He said, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I pray now for uh, your anointing. I pray that you would give me the words to say and that I would say what you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less. Pray for the people who have gathered here and those who are worshiping with us online. I pray that you would give them ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to say to them and what you want to show them this morning. I pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. So, uh, what I want to do with this text this morning is um, we're going to break it down into three different parts. Um, I'm going to kind of parse it out a bit. And then I am going to try to give you at least one significant truth from each portion um, that we look at. So that's what, what it's going to look like today. Um, simply put, my hope for this morning is uh, I just want to let the Word of God speak. Like we are going to look at, um, we're going to look at, we're going to read a lot of the Bible, and I'm praying that, that God's word would speak to you today, meet you um, right where you are. So first, let's look at verses 17 and 18 again. Are y'all ready to go? There's not very many of you, so I'm going to need a little bit of this, a little bit of giving back. All right, 17 and 18. This is what it says. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Here is truth number one that I want to point out to you from this text, church. Once you have a relationship with Jesus, you shouldn't walk like this world walks. You shouldn't look like this world looks, and you shouldn't want the same things this world wants. Once you have a relationship with Jesus, you shouldn't walk like this world walks, look like this world looks, or want the same things this world wants. Paul said here about the Gentiles that their faulty brains, their hard hearts, and their fleshly desires were leading them astray. Paul knew that a futile mind only ever leads to a purposeless life. And so he says to them, don't act like they do. Don't do what they do. Don't, don't enjoy the same things that the world enjoys. Now, in this cultural moment, and I am speaking now about ethics in America in 2020-21, 
I believe if we were trying to come up with like a, a phrase that might summarize or um, give us a sense of the wisdom of the world, like one phrase or a couple of phrases that might, uh, that might tell us what worldly wisdom looks like, I think it would be a cliche, something like this. It would be like, uh, follow your heart or uh, YOLO, you know, or uh, live your truth. I mean, can we agree on that? Like, this is, if you're just like, if you're just like swimming in culture, these are the kind of truths that sort of get thrown at us socially, culturally, even oftentimes by way of the, the media. It's very self-serving, you know? It's like, uh, whatever your heart wants, just go after it. And um, don't worry about anything or uh, anybody else. Uh, just do you. Like, right now, according to our culture, the only sin is to call something sin. People are turning away from religion in droves because to believe in God comes with a certain set of moral standards and a generation that is bent on its own personal freedom, those moral standards feel like a form of oppression. A couple months ago, Kobe was preaching, did an awesome job, and he taught a verse from, or a passage from the book of James that ever since he, he spoke on it, I haven't been able to get it out of my head. And uh, Bethany can kind of testify. It's been the truth. I've been talking about it since we read it. And that's because I believe that when we look at this passage, and, and you know, you got the Bible in one hand, and you look at the world in the other hand, I think we see it played out right before our eyes, okay? And this is the passage. It's from the book of James. It's James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18, and in this text, James is speaking about the difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And this is what he says. He says, uh, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Church, tell me you see it. The wisdom of the world says, follow your heart, YOLO, live your truth. And you know what happens when you get a generation of folks who that becomes their goal? A generation of people for whom that is their mantra. You get what James describes in James chapter 3, verse 16. You get a culture where we see disorder and every vile practice. You get a world that calls things good that are clearly not good and a world that won't call things bad that are clearly very bad. This is the wisdom of the world when it's played out to its logical end. This is the result of living according to the futility of our minds. It leads to disorder and to chaos and to every hedonistic behavior. It leads to our current cultural malaise, a world filled with people who are sowing self-righteousness and reaping disorder. 
I, I feel like I, I can't be the only one who sees it. But in 2021, everybody is following their heart and nobody's happy. Everybody. Everybody's living their truth and nobody's happy. James saw it coming 2,000 years ago. He warned us about it. So with that said, let me give you a couple of pieces of practical advice, just straight out of the gate. Here it is. Uh, number one, uh, don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Bible says our hearts are deceitful above all things. Little less YOLO, little more Rolos. They are, after all, a delicious chocolatey and caramel snack. If Tim King was here, he would have loved that. I'll be watching online. And then lastly, don't worry about seeking to live your truth, but instead seek Jesus, who the Bible says is the way and the truth and the life. That's the wisdom that comes down from above. That's the sort of wisdom that leads to peace and order and mercy. Once you have a relationship with Jesus, you shouldn't walk like this world walks. You shouldn't look like this world looks, and you shouldn't want the same thing this world wants. Will somebody say amen, please? Paul says here, right out of the gate, don't act like they do. Don't do, you got a higher calling. Don't act like they do. Don't do the things they do. Don't want the same things they want. Now let's look at verse 19. Verse 19 says this. It says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. They've given themselves up, they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity impurity. Here's truth number two for you from the text this morning. Here it is. If you spend time indulging the serpent's presence, don't be surprised when you're stricken by the serpent's bite. If you spend time indulging the serpent's presence, don't be surprised when you're stricken by the serpent's bite. If I still had Twitter, I'd tweet that out. That's pretty good. I was talking to Mark this past week, and we were talking about this passage. I was working on it up in the shed. He came up there, and, uh, and he asked me, so what are you preaching on this week? And so I, I read the passage to him. I said Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, and I just read it over him. And he said, he said, you know the part of that passage that has always disturbed me the most? I said, no, what is it? He said, it's one word. It's the word practice. He said, I'm really, I find myself bothered by that word practice because the word practice shows intentionality. And, you know, when we talk about practice, we typically are talking about something in a positive connotation. Like we're talking about, I'm practicing to become a better basketball player, badminton player, to get better on an instrument or something like that. So I'm practicing. But that's not the way that Paul uses the phrase here. Paul says here that some people are practicing impurity and practicing immorality. The idea being that there are some people out there who don't just sin, but like they're actively trying to get better at it. You know, they're trying to improve their sinning skills. Now, maybe you go, okay, Brock, but, uh, how, you know, how, how can we practice impurity? I'm so glad that you asked. Here, here are some ways I think we can practice impurity. We isolate ourselves. We avoid accountability. We scheme and we make plans in the shadows for indulgence. 
Let me just give you some examples, okay? Maybe, maybe it, it can look like this. Maybe it looks like at nighttime, uh, you no longer go to bed with your spouse at the same time they do so that you can stay up and look at porn on your phone or send text messages to somebody that you know you got no business sending text messages to. Or maybe it looks like, you know, you kind of scheme around, you know the places that you got to run on a given day, and you sort of in your head, you plot it in such a way that, you know, on your way home, you can run by that gas station or that liquor store where you like to pull in and get a six-pack. And then once you get the six-pack, you get home and you drink the whole thing and you throw two of them into, like, the kitchen trash can, right? And you throw the other four into the garbage can outside. That way you're hoping if people see, they won't know exactly how much you, you drank in that one that one setting. Or maybe for you it looks like you go to Target and you buy a bunch of stuff that you don't need and you pay quite a bit of the bill in cash so that there's no like receipt or it won't show up on the bank statement, you know, showing exactly, no, nobody will know how much you actually spent. Or uh, maybe you're married and you go to a certain gym at a certain time every day because you know that he's going to be there or she's going to be there, and you're just hoping to get uh, a brief encounter with him or her. Church, what I need you to understand is that some people don't just sin, but they practice sin. It's like they're scheming to get better at it, you know? And that really hurts my heart, knowing that there are some people in the room right now who, like in your head, you're thinking, like, I'm actually getting pretty good at this, you know? I indulge this certain behavior, and I think I got it figured out to where I'm protected, and nobody will know, nobody will, will see, and I fear that when you're in that place, you're in a really unhealthy Place. We, we don't just sin, but our hearts become callous. It's Paul talking, not just Brock talking. Our hearts become callous, and then we get to a place where we begin to practice it, which just means that we are actively working to get better at it. Now, the author, Paulo Colo, says this, and uh, to be honest with you, I think this one hurts a little bit, is what he says. He says, uh, a mistake repeated more than once is a decision. A mistake repeated more than once is a decision. And C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, every time you make a choice, you're turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you're slowly turning this central thing either into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. To be the one kind of creature is heaven, that is, its joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us, at each moment, is progressing to the one state or the other. What Lewis is saying there, church, is that every day of your life and with every decision that you make, you are either moving toward the light or you are moving toward the darkness. There is no middle ground. And I think Paul's warning here is that if your heart has become calloused, if you are in a state where you feel like you are practicing sin, then you're on the brink of disaster. And so first he says to the Ephesians, hey, don't act like they act, don't do what they do, because if you do, this will be the result. This is what's going to happen if you do. So, again, some practical advice for the room, okay? And this, this feels like a holy word. This feels like something I feel like I'm supposed to say. It feels like something that somebody in the room is supposed to hear. I'm talking, you know, borderline prophetic here, okay? If you find yourself practicing 
sin. If you know that your heart is calloused, if you can feel yourself drifting towards something or someone that you know you shouldn't be drifting toward, if your mistakes are starting to feel more like decisions, then this is my request of you today. Stop, repent, and get it before it gets you. Right now. Stop, let it go, and get it before it gets you. Stop playing with fire and thinking that you're not going to get burned. This is a word from the Lord. And if you're in the place and in your mind, you're like, there's a little bit of you that right now you're going, I think he might be talking to me. I am talking to you. I get you. You're the one I'm talking to. If there's just a little thing going, that might be for me. It is. It's, it's for you. Stop. Repent. Get it before it gets you. The, the calloused heart, the practicing sin, it's a sign you're on the brink of disaster. This is a word from the Lord. This is the warning. You spend time indulging the serpent's presence, eventually you're going to be stricken by the serpent's bite. Does that make sense? Y'all still here? I'm still going, okay? We can start fall break a little bit early if y'all want to. I'm good. Here's the third one. That's the only thing here I was like, I got to say. I'm supposed to say that. Here's the, the last one. Let's keep going. This is our third and final section. Verse 20 through 24 says, But that's not the way you learned Christ assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's truth number three. Pursue God's righteousness more than your happiness and you just might end up with both. Pursue God's righteousness more than your happiness, and you just might end up with both. Paul first says to the Ephesians, he goes, look, don't do that, because if you do that, this will be the result. And then he ends the passage by saying, instead of doing that, do this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, there's that really well-known passage of, of Scripture where Jesus told the disciples, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How many of y'all know this verse, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And while most people know that verse of Scripture, I don't think most people realize its context. Okay, that verse, Matthew 6, 33, happens as a part of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's actually right in the middle of a passage where Jesus is talking about anxiety. And he says to his disciples, he goes, hey, uh, don't worry about what you're going to eat, and don't worry about what you're going to wear. It's because the Gentiles worry about those things. So you don't need to worry about those things. Just take those desires off and instead replace them with this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll take care of all those material things. I'll take care of the rest. Now, what I want you to notice here, church, is that essentially Paul, in the text that we just read, is saying the same thing that Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, 33, and right there in that passage of scripture from the Sermon on the Mount. Paul is saying in the text, hey, at some point, we got to take off the old self and put on the new self. At some point, we got to let go of you know, our desires for material things, and we got to take up this desire to seek first the kingdom 
and God's righteousness. They're both talking here, I believe, about a shedding and a resetting, or another way to say it would be they're talking about uh, a death and a rebirth. Um, because in reality, instead of uh, YOLO, if you're a Christian, it's more like YOLT. You know, uh, you only live twice because you get born again. Okay. Whew. That's YOLT, okay? Start if you want a bracelet or something like that with it. I'm think, I think it might take off. some point, they're saying the same thing. Let go of the desires of the flesh, take on the desires of the Spirit. And I love that verse, Matthew 6, because I think there is a certain uh, simplicity to it. I mean, I find it really compelling, right? It's like, because there's so many people in the world who are like, what am I supposed to do with my life? You know, I would follow, if I would follow God, follow Jesus, if he would just be clear with me about what he wanted to do, you know, me to do for a career, if he'd just be clear with me about the person I was supposed to marry, like if it just was right in front of me, then I would do those things. And then, and, and that's probably not going to come, okay? For a lot of people, it never comes. But I'll tell you what is very clear, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll take care of everything else. Like, if you want to know what God's purpose, plan is for your life, seek first his kingdom, pursue his righteousness. I love it. I find that to be incredibly compelling. Now, in another place, Jesus tells a story. Uh, it's a parable uh, about the wise and foolish builders. Another story that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. And in the story, he says, you know, some people are going to build uh, their house on a firm foundation, they're going to build it on a rock, and when the storms come, their house will hold up. And he's like, but some people are going to build their house on a weak foundation. They're going to build it on sand, and when the storms come raging, then their houses are going to collapse. And y'all, though I know you know the parable, do you remember, Jesus is very descriptive about, let me tell you who the people are that are building their house on a wise foundation. Do you remember what he said, what those people do different than the rest of the world? Does anybody remember? This is what it is. This is Matthew 7, verse 24. This is from the NIV. This is what Jesus says. Wise builders versus foolish builders building on a firm foundation versus a weak foundation. This is the only difference. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Surely you see it again. It's the same word Paul used, talking about impurity. There are people out there practicing impurity. Jesus uses the same word. Those who hear my words and practice them. Now we're talking about practicing holiness. Now we're talking about practicing the teachings of Christ. Now we're talking about knowing what Jesus said and trying to practice so that we might be able to apply his teachings to our lives. This is my last piece of practical advice for you this morning. Are you ready? Stop trying to get better at sin and start trying to get better at obedience. Don't practice impurity Instead, practice holiness. Practice loving like you've been loved, serving like you've been served, and forgiving like you've been forgiven. 
Practice grace and generosity and humility. Practice making yourself low. Practice praying and fasting and confessing your sins one to another. Practice letting your yes be yes and your no be no. Practice being a person of your word. Practice purity and kindness and faithfulness. Practice shining and abiding and gratitude. Practice sowing and growing and going. Because, church, regardless of what this world tells you, the commands, precepts, laws, moral standards of God, they weren't put in place for your oppression, but for your protection. This is where real freedom is found. Not in following your heart, but in following the ways of Jesus. In knowing the things that he said and trying to, the best you can, practice to apply those things to your life. This isn't oppression. This is, I'm telling you, I've been doing it for a while, and it feels much less like oppression and much more like freedom. Much more like flourishing. Much more like truth. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. You shouldn't walk like, you know, Jesus, you shouldn't walk like this world walks, look like this world looks, want the same things this world wants. You spend time indulging the serpent's presence, eventually you're going to get stricken by the serpent's bite. And I would encourage you today, pursue God's righteousness more than your happiness, and you just might end up with both. Pray with me. Father, in a world where it seems like everybody's gone blind, we need some people who see. In a world where it seems like everybody's seeking lies, we need some folks who aren't afraid to say what's true. In a world that seems bent on following their heart, we need some folks who will follow you. We need it. I pray that this room would be filled with people who are passionately running after you. People who know, pray that people watch online, people who know that you are the way and the truth and the life and our lives would reflect it. God, for the person in the room that needs to today, right now, let go of the sin that's about to get them, I pray that they do that. Altars open. They need to come and pray and let it go and repent. Let them let it go and let it repent. I want them to get it before it gets them. This is the warning, this is a word. This is a word directly from you. And God, for the rest of us, help us to stop practicing sin and the energy that we used to do that and start practicing holiness and obedience. Help us to spend more time in your word, reading your commands, looking at your parables, listening to what you told people to do, and then applying those things to our lives and spending the rest of our lives trying to figure out how to get better at those things. And in them, God, maybe find that deep truth that sets us free. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.